Blog Talk Radio. We're going to sing about the faithfulness of God. Are you ready to sing with us? We're going to sing about His faithfulness. He's such a faithful God. I've seen Him show up for me in unique ways. You know, that's why I, I'm quite reckless when I worship. I start doing anyhow, anyhow, anywhere beloved. Somebody say anywhere beloved. Are you ready to worship God with me like that? That is the kind of worship I want. To put your head. Somebody scream. It's open to open your mouth and begin to pray the Holy Ghost.
want to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh, oh. If the God you serve has been faithful, if the God you serve has been faithful, I want to take five seconds and thank Him for His faithfulness. And thank Him for His faithfulness. Great God, you are awesome, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. Awesome, awesome God. We serve what a good God. Hallelujah. Faithful God. Amen. Well, shalom, shalom, my brother, my sister. Hallelujah. Welcome to the Lord's hour. This is your host, brother in Christ, brother LV Sapata, by the grace of God. By grace ye are saved, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. We are grateful for the love of our God and his mercy that endures forever. The Lord has given me a wonderful experience this week, which I would like to share with you. My brother and my sister, he is good. He is awesome. And anything we want to know about his word, about heaven, about his plan for us, because he has mighty plan for us, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. And other plans are good. Plan of salvation. My brother, my sister, thank you, Lord. He please plan, his plan is always to save us or be there for us. My brother, my sister, we can always trust the Lord that he's always there to help us. Thank you, Lord. And we, we are grateful for his goodness and his love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I know that when I share what I have to share, we'll get some of you excited and motivated to continue to endure, to continue to persevere. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And that, that is all about serving the Lord, seeking the Lord, coming close to the Lord every day, knowing that without him there is nothing we can do. My brother and sister, we need the Lord every day. Hallelujah. We need to finish this race that is about to be finished is what was shown to me in heaven this week. This race is about to be over. My brother and sister, there's not much more before the church of God disappear from this earth. Hallelujah. I was able to experience this as I was standing in heaven this week. Thank you, Lord. Looking back, back here, the faithfulness of Jesus. He is good, and he is faithful. Thank you, Lord. Faithful God, we serve. My brother and sister, Passover 
it's it's passing from death to life, the meaning, from Egypt to the wilderness. Passover represents when a believer received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to go into the Word before I go into the Revelation. In Passover, in Exodus 12, God tells Moses and the children of Israel to celebrate Passover. But in the preparation of Passover, here's what God says to Moses. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. Adonai spoke unto Moshe and Sharon in the land of Egypt, and he said, to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, he said, you are to begin the calendar with this month. Hallelujah. And it will be the first month of the year for you. Jesus being the first from the dead. That's what Passover represents. From death to life. My brother and sister. So the first calendar is where we are registered. Where God began to work in our life when we receive Jesus, Messiah, as our Lord and Savior. My brother and sister. It's not incredible, it's significant of it, it's so powerful that if you meditate, if you read it and meditate on it, it will bless you. Thank you, Lord. And speak unto the whole assembly of Israel and say, On the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb or care for his family, one per household. Notice that God is being very specific and password because the lamb represents Jesus our Lord and Savior, who was going to be willing to die on the cross, or who was going to go to the cross for us. It said that if the household is too small for a whole lamb or kid, then he and his next door neighbor should share one. Talking about unity among us. Taking the lamb, sharing the lamb with your neighbors. It's talking about we caring for our neighbors. And that God consider also the salvations of our neighbors and the sacrifice of Jesus. Shalom, Brother Michael. Thank you, Lord. Dividing the proportion to the number of the people eating it, your animal must be without defect. Talking about the holiness and righteousness of Jesus and the lamb that they would have to sacrifice for their own sin in the in this beginning of the Passover. So this is why we serving a Christ, Church of Jesus, need to be in daily repenting, need to be confessing our sin daily before God to make sure we are without defect, holy and righteous is what it means, before God. A male in his first year, and you may choose it from either the sheep or the goat. My brother insisted, you are to keep it until the 14th day of the month. The entire assembly of the community of Israel was slaughtered at dusk. Hallelujah. It was exactly the day that Jesus was, was crucified at dusk. My brother insisted. Notice that even the sacrificial lamb and the Passover that they had to bring to the sacrifice, they are, they are appointed that the lamb will be slaughtered of dusk. My brother and sister, that's late afternoon. 
Thank you, Lord. And they're there to take some of the blood of the smear, smear it in the two sides of the top, at the door frame. Two sides of the top, full frame, the entrance of the house, which they eat it. Hallelujah. Pointing very specific, my brother insisted, how they should use the lamb blood in the post of their home, which is significant to keeping the devils out. You having the blood in your life and your home, you, you want to keep the, the blood, keep, keep us the evil out. Death was coming through the neighborhood of Egypt. And having the, the lamb blood in the post, tell us, Sister Wendy, represented devil had to keep away. Having the blood of Jesus in your life represents that death keeps away death. My brothers and sisters, very significant, very powerful. Thank you, Lord. That mind, they are to eat the meat, roasted in the fire. Notice that by nine already, the lamb will have to be crucified. My brothers and sisters, and I'm using crucified because Jesus is the lamb of God that was crucified. They'll have to be slaughtered. My brothers and sisters, killed, in other words. And they are to eat it with my shah and maror. Don't eat it raw or boiled, but roast it in the fire with the head. My brother and sister, hallelujah. The lower part in the leg and the inner organs, let nothing remain till morning. And any of it does remain, burn it completely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And this is prophetic. This is prophetic. Shalom, Joseph. This is prophetic. This is why when we read the Bible, we need to pray and ask the Lord to reveal it to us. Because what, what the Lamb goes through here is representing what Jesus will go through. And know that even the fire, Jesus went to the lower part of hell after he was crucified. So everything is prophetic, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. Let me keep reading. Verse 11. And hear how you are to eat it. Where your bell fasting and your shoes and your feet and your stuff in your hand, you are to eat it in a hurry. Hallelujah. So what is the lamb now represent here? The rapture of the bride of Christ. My brother and sister, the church will have to be ready. Ready to departure. All these I was told, eating the lamb is like eating the body of Christ, Jesus said, to do this in memory of him. But also signified that you are, your bell needs to be fasting, your shoes and your feet and your stuff in your hand, and you are to eat it hurriedly. Because the rapture happens in a second, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You need to be ready. You don't want to be caught by surprise. And this is what, what might end up happening to a lot of people who end up staying in the great tribulation. They'll get mad at God. But God is very specific in his word. I don't like it when people say the word of God is not as specific. Yes, it is. You just got to ask the Lord for, for revelation, for understanding, for wisdom on his word, for him to reveal it to us. Because this here represents the rapture. After you have to come to Christ, pass over from death to life, pass over from the earth to heaven, from darkness to light. My brothers and sisters. Here you are to eat it with your bell fasting, 
your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you are to eat it hurriedly. Hallelujah. The staff represents discipline. You must be disciplined with the word of God. My brothers and sisters, we are disciplined by the word. Hallelujah. It is Adonai pass, Passover, Passover in Hebrew, for that night. See, he comes like a thief in the night. See how it represents Jesus? Passover represents the rapture, clearly. My brothers and sisters, for that night I will pass through the land. At what time did that the Lord comes to take his bride home? In the midnight hour, nighttime. That's when he comes to take his bride home. That's why we are now at the midnight hour, and Jesus is about to come. Jesus is about to take his bride home. My brother and sisters, I will pass through the land. Who is passing through the land? The Lord. Notice that the angel of death was passing. My brother and sister, he was passing through the world. Egypt represents the world. He was passing through the world to kill the firstborn. My brother and sister, kill the firstborn. Always first represents Jesus, the first from the dead. And it represents salvation. My brother and sister, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes that the first, soonest, the Lord take his. Those that are stay behind are blind. My brother and sister, Shalom, brother Miguel. They're blind by the enemy's lies because he's coming with an alien message deceiving chips, an alien to deceive humanity. At the moment the rapture happened, that very night, the devil is also coming with a deceiving lies, alien delusion. Upon the earth. The Lord comes to save his people. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Notice, but it's both coming at the same time. That's what Passover is about. That's what the rapture is about. The Lord takes his home like a thief in the night. And the devil comes like a roaring lion. Seeking who he may devour that nine. My brother and sisters. At that nine... That very night, you will have a rapture departure of the body of Christ, and you will also have, hallelujah, beasts all over the earth devouring people. Three days of darkness, my brother and sister. For three days, for three nights. It's all incredible. Hallelujah. I will pass through the land of Egypt and kill the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Why does God take responsibility for what the devil does? Because the devil cannot do anything without the permission of God. God has to allow it. So God, is, God takes responsibility for the action that he said that he will destroy the wicked. It is the day of vengeance of the Lord coming. My brother and sister, both man and animal, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. What a funny coincidence. What a coincidence. Not funny. What a coincidence that all they talk today in the media are the god of Egypt. All the, the, the Pelosi and Biden and the inauguration of Biden in 2020 was one of the god of Egypt. But the world are celebrating all over the world today. 
is the God of Egypt. And when we read here in Exodus 12, in that Passover, when the angel of death comes, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Lord comes to save his own, protect his own, and save them. My brother and sister, as Moses said to the people, see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. I am the nine. The blood will serve you as a sign making those house where you are, where I will see the blood, and I will pass over you. And when I strike the land of Egypt, that their blood hallelujah, will not strike you. Judgment never meant to be in for the church. Three days of darkness never meant to be in for the church. Amen to being for them in Egypt, for the world. This is why the world don't like the message of three days of darkness. Well, a lot of people don't like it. Because you have to be you have to be under the blood of Jesus before the three days of darkness, before the angel of death comes, which the Lord is coming in that line for his people. And the angel of death is coming to kill the firstborn. Marvelous sister. Much is coming on this earth. Much is. But let me share what happened this week to me. This week, in my overnight prayer with the Lord, I keep hearing about a lot, Jesus, about Jesus coming, the ranch of the pasture. So I went in prayer with the Lord in my overnight, and I said, Lord, will you, will you confirm to me that we are that close, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Will you confirm to me, Lord, that we are that close, that we are about to be going home, Lord? I keep repeating what I heard the Lord say. I know we are close, but in all this, it's better to check with the Lord. I said, Lord, I keep hearing your prophet speaking, saying that we are so close to be going home. Thank you, Lord. Will you confirm to me, Lord, that we are that close in my overnight prayer with him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I just kept in, kept speaking with the Lord in my overnight prayer. And I asked him to show me something that will help me, that will encourage me, that I can share with my brothers and sisters. And he did. He is so faithful. Thank you, Lord. He is so good. He is so awesome. Hallelujah. As I confess in my sin and I'm repenting and I'm asking the Lord, Hallelujah, I got it. My spirit from the Lord, yes. He was going to show me something in relation to the raptured, my brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. He wanted to show me something that I want to know for years. But to see it from heaven. Because everything from heaven is better than from the earth, my brother and sister. He took me to heaven. I was standing in heaven right after the rapture of the church that is about to happen. I immediately, as I open my eyes there, the Lord takes me there. I'm standing there in paradise in that unspeakable place of the glory of God. The anointing and presence of God is so strong and so powerful. You don't want to come out of that place. Heaven is blessed. Earth is cursed. Right from the beginning, God cursed the earth because of what Adam and Eve did. 
my brother and sisters. And then when Cain killed his brother, slew his brother, killed him, the earth was cursed again. And then when the angel took wife from the man, hallelujah, as wife, it was even more cursed. My brother and sisters. Then when law, after the flood, went to Sodom and Gomorrah and saw what these men were doing, the curse kept increasing, increasing, increasing. To the point that in the times of Noah, you can see sheriff and angel speaking with human, walking together up and down. Angel was 30 feet high, and men will be six, seven feet. Very little next to the angel, but they were talking like friends, like friends for many years. You can see them everywhere. You can see the angels everywhere. That's how blessed the earth was in the beginning. Even after it was cursed two twice through Adam and Cain, still angels were walking the earth with humans. But after the flood, after Sodom and Gomorrah, after all that evil, on and on and on, then it became so cursed that you cannot even see angels at all. The Lord will have to open our eyes for us to see angels. My brother and sister, that's it. It's amazing how black and darkened this earth has become. Because you, you cannot even see an angel unless the Lord opens your eyes. Dark, dark, dark. They're walking among us by billions. You cannot even see one. You might feel them. I have the gifts of the sermon. I can feel them around me all the time, mostly. 24 hours. Marvel insisted. But a lot of people don't even have that, don't even ask the Lord for that. My brother and sister, Sermon of Spirit, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. So my brother and sister, I'm standing there in heaven, and I, oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I will say I was still not in my glorified body, which this time I love it. It was like taking, he took me in this body. And the reason why I know, because when I looked at myself right now, I have a very short haircut. I saw you seen some of my video. My haircut is very short. Just the way my hair is now, is how I could see myself in heaven. Not yet in my glorified body. Very different. I'm 51 this week. In heaven, I'm only 20. And I look 51 the way I look now in heaven standing. Under that glory. Thank you, Lord. But the Lord was doing something. He wanted me to look back here on my walk with him. Bible and sister. I could see brothers and sisters around me that came home in the, in the ranch of the patch of the bride of Christ. And I looked at my brothers and sisters quickly. Everybody was stunned. After the rapture happened, that very moment when people opened their eyes and see themselves in heaven, you can see the brothers and sisters talking with one another. Wow, this place is amazing. Wow, the glory is so strong. Wow, this place is so blessed. Everywhere you look, it's just blessed, blessed, blessed. A lot of people don't know what that is. A lot of people cannot explain it. But heaven is so blessed. My brother insisted. And that's the way the earth was in the beginning. That's why the Lord says, I don't recognize my earth anymore, he says. Every time he comes around, he says, I don't recognize my earth anymore. Because he made a blessed place, and it's not blessed anymore. It's all cursed everywhere. Government, people, everywhere, cursed. The air, the water, the food. My brother and sister, look what they're doing now with, with the cow, the animal. They're, they're injecting them with COVID now. 
That's the latest. My brother and sister, blood of fallen angel in our meat now. I thank the Lord because years ago, over, well, 10 years now, he told me not to eat meat. And this is why we need to be obedient to the Lord. Because disobedience will cost us much. I said this on the Lord's hour. And I will advise you tonight, if the Lord told you, tells you not to eat meat, please be obedient. They're putting COVID-19 in, in animals now. Cow beef. You're going to be eating chicken, turkey, whatever you eat for meat. With COVID-19 and a blood of fallen angels. And you can make the argument. You can pray over it. But why is the Lord telling so many people not to eat meat? Marvelous. The meat has been so contaminated. And our government and our fallen one knows that people love to eat meat. And that's how they're getting them. It's a hook on their mouth like a fish. There are fallen ones that go in fishing with humanity. They're getting them by their mouth, my brother insisted, eating meat. So I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven, I'm standing, and I'm looking back on my life, my brother insisted. Hallelujah. No, I'm not saying you will be left behind by eating meat. But look at the contamination that they're putting COVID by scene into me, the RMA, RNA. Now they're being injected in, in beef and cow, supposedly. I heard a report, that, a report online that was shaking this week about it. Shaking, shaking report. It's so terrifying that I don't want to play it on the Lloyd Tower. My brother is just about a European country refusing to eat meat from the United States because of what they're putting into the cow is what they're talking about. My brother and sister, shocking report, but it is a fact of what it is today. United States doing it, Europe will end up doing the same, so it doesn't matter where people are and where people are standing. It's happening. It's happening. They're trying to get people one way or another. Take this into prayer with the Lord. Make sure the Lord says, no, my son, no, my daughter, don't eat me. Be obedient. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will help you. Through the process, we're about to be going home anyway. Church is about to disappear anyway. So as I'm looking back to my life and seeing how the Lord has kept me and protected us, all I can think about in heaven is how faithful Jesus is. My brother and sister, he is so faithful. Another thing also that I can think about about Jesus was how true his word is, my brother and sister. In Ephesians 2, the word says, where in the past you walk according to the curse of this world, horses of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that now working in the children of disobedience. But I begin to say, and you have, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, verse 3, and among whom, also, we all have our convention in time past in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, whereby nature the children are wrapped, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love whereby he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ by grace, Ye are saved. And this is what I was thinking in heaven. 
how true this word is. That by grace we are saved, not of ourselves, the Bible says. Let me keep reading. He has raised us together, made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show his exceeding riches and the grace in his kindness toward through Christ Jesus. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself is a gift of God. Not not of works, lest any man should boast. In another translation, instead about boasting, not of works, that no man have, have the glory. See, the glory belongs to God. When you boast about anything as a Christian, you're taking that glory to yourself. And this is the work of God through Christ. That's, we are saved through Christ, faith through Christ. By grace, through, through grace, by faith in Christ, we are saved. My brother and sister, not of ourselves. The complete Jewish Bible says, the same chapter, you used to be dead because your sins are back to disobedience. You walk in the way of the land, as you obey the ruler of the power of the air, the, talking about the flesh, who still work among the disobedient. Indeed, we all once live in this way, who follow the passion of our own nature, and obey the wishes of our own nature in our own thoughts. In our natural condition, we're headed for God's wrath, just like everybody, everybody else, everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and love us with such intense love that even when we were dead because of our act of disobedience, he brought us to life with Messiah by grace that you have been delivered. That is, God raised us with Messiah Yeshua, seated up with him in heaven, in order to exhibit the age to come, how in, infinitely rich is his grace, how gracious is his kindness to us, who are united with Messiah Yeshua. For you have been delivered by grace to trusting, even this is not a your accomplishment, but God's gift. You were now delivered by your own action, therefore no one should boast. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. As I'm standing in that glorious place, and as the Lord wanted me to look back, I'm looking back to my life and my walk with him. And all I can think of is it's all by grace. By his grace, I could understand from heaven that is the only way we're going to make it to heaven. By trusting in Messiah, by trusting, believing in Jesus confessing our sin and trespasses every day, when you pray, when you fast, when you seek the Lord every day, you know what you're doing? You're trusting in him by faith. You're trusting in his grace by faith that he can bring you to heaven. That's what you're doing. You're trusting in him when you fast, when you pray, when you are in the word, when, you, when you're keeping his commandments. When you're living a righteous and holy life for Christ, you're trusting in him. You're trusting in his promise. You're holding on to him. When others are rejecting him, you can see people already rejecting the Lord. Because Jesus said you cannot search your master. Because you will love one and hate the other. Why are people hating Jesus? Because they are in love with the world. With the devil. 
that be coming to hear one master, our Lord, my brothers and sisters, and they're loving the other master of this world, the prince of the air, the devil, my brothers and sisters. You see, each and one of us are our peace in the Lord's hand. This is why we are special, because we are the master peace. In the last days, my brother and sister, each and one of us are a piece that he has created as special for his own plan, his own purpose for the last days that we're in, my brother and sister. As I was there, of course, no one knows the days of the rapture or the hour, not even the angel, not even the Lord, only the Father. Got to make that clear. But I can see my work with the Lord. And my question, Lord, are we that close? And as I was standing there, the Lord wanted to show me. When the rapture happened, this is the experience I had. It happened before, closer before than what we were thinking. Remember the Lord saying this to me six, 17 years ago about? That when the rapture would happen, the Lord says to me, it's going to happen sooner, closer than what we are thinking. As I was, think, I was standing in heaven and looking back to my life, and the rapture happened. Now I was standing in heaven after the rapture, and as I was sit, standing there looking back, I knew, I understood clearly with a full mind, not the 5% of the mind we use today. Full 100% mind in heaven. I was using, standing in that place. And as I was looking back, I understood clearly that the rapture happened before than what we were thinking. The hard possible, the departure. It's like when a plane, when you're in the airport and you're waiting for your flight, and your plane comes earlier than what you were expecting the planes to come. And then they're telling you to board the plane. And you're like, but I still got an hour or two before my flight. And they're saying, no, you got to get in there now or you miss the flight. That's the experience that was happening in heaven. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. So at least you were thinking... What have we been thinking? What has been going through our mind, our heart, in regard to the heart puzzle, and the, in regard to the cut up in the air, and meeting the Lord in the cloud? What have we been thinking that the Lord has told not just me, many other people, my children, the rest is going to happen before than what you are thinking? And he Confirm to me it's very it's it's about to in, in this in the spirit he didn't have to say it because he didn't have to say it it was in the knowing in heaven I knew this was so in heaven he didn't have to speak it to me he didn't have to say it I knew in my hundred percent mind in heaven in the presence of God that this was so a hundred percent it's about to happen it's gonna happen. Cl- Closer than what we're thinking. It's going to cause 
so many by surprise. And many, yes, are going to be angry who will stay behind, whom the Lord has been telling them to get ready. But each, each one of us needs to understand that this is personal relationship with God. And each one of us needs to repent. Hallelujah. You don't need to doubt if the signs are going to be fulfilled. Someone asked me the other day, Brother Elvie, we hear that the Lord is about to take his people home. What about the signs? And I said, look, these signs can happen all in one day, in one single night, or one night after another night before the rapture. So what happened if they get the orchid in California tonight, the eastern tsunami tomorrow, and the water in Israel began the next day? Or two of them began in one single night. So you were expecting that they will have a month or three months from each other, or a year from each other, but you're not expecting them to happen that quickly. But what happens if they do? See, that's the question you need to ask. You don't, need, you don't need to know when. You just need to understand that God told, these things, told us these things are going to happen. And for God, all things are possible. And God can make these things happen at any day, at any hour, at any moment. It can be in the morning, and so it can be in the night. My brother insisted, when the angel came to law, Law was in his house with his family. Actually, he was outside. And he sees the three men coming. Lord understood that, that what they were coming for. See, because the righteous understand, the Bible says. The wicked don't understand, but the righteous does. This is why Paul, when he talked to the Thessalonians, my brother insisted, and I got to remind you about this, in 1 Thessalonians 5, hallelujah, Paul says, But you have no need to have anything written to your brother about the time, the day, when, when would this happen? Okay? You don't need to. Why, why is he saying you don't need to? You see, when, when you think you feel the need that you need to know when, Paul says you don't need to. God says you don't need to. You don't need to know when. Because, see, the question is, sometimes what is, how can this happen this quickly? But then you forget the power of God, that with God all things are possible. Because you yourself know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. How do you know this? How can Paul say that we know? Well, of course you read the the, the, the parable of the ten virgins. How the Lord comes in the midnight hour to take his bride home. That's what he's talking about. You should already know the parable of the ten virgins. So if you already know that the Lord comes in the mind, Paul said you, you don't need to know the time when. But you yourself will know the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the mind. This gray is the rapture. He's coming like a thief in the night. What is the, how is the thief in the night? In, a, in an hour, the thief comes when the owner of the house is not expecting him. Jesus is coming in an hour when no one is expecting him. 
my brother and sister. He's about to come, but a lot of people don't expect him now. If the rapture happens tomorrow, a lot of people were suspecting him for a few years from now or next year sometime. But what happens if he comes tomorrow or tonight? Do you expect the rapture to happen tonight? No. You don't expect the rapture to happen tonight. But then you say, Brother Levy, but if he comes tonight, what happened with the judgment? That means that the judgment will happen before midnight. Whoa. Is there anything too, too hard for the Lord? God has to answer people this way. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Thank you, Lord. So when people are saying, and there's a lot of people saying things today, everything is peaceful and secure, then destruction will suddenly come upon them, the way of the labor pay comes as a pregnant woman, and there is no way that they will escape. You see, if you miss the rapture, you cannot escape the great tribulation, the judgment of God. Because it's going to be all over the earth. It doesn't matter what country, what nation you're standing. Russia, China, Mexico, Australia, Japan. It don't matter. It don't matter. United States, Canada. It doesn't matter where you will be standing. France, Germany. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what country you will be standing after the rapture. It doesn't matter. Because every single nation are going to experience the judgment of God. One more severe than the other, but they are going to experience the judgment of God. I remember when the Lord showed me this, I saw the entire earth being destroyed by tsunami. At one time, being flooded. God, and I was thinking of this because God said to Moses, he will not destroy the earth by water. So, it may not be completely destroyed by water, but mostly, because God said not completely like in the time of Noah. You see, it's not going to be in another 40 days and 40 nights. It might be a week. It might be three days. Tsunami, but it's going to come. Not completely destroyed like in the time of Noah. God is faithful. It's going to be fire and water. Thank you. Hallelujah. Very important. Verse 4, but you, brothers, are not in dark, so that the day should take you by surprise, like a thief. Hallelujah. How is it that a lot of Christians are saved today? The rapture is a surprise to them that is about to happen. How is that possible? When the when Bible says, but you, brother, brothers, are not in dark. See, people that are in dark are people that are in sin. Dark equals sin. People that are in sin, even though they were believers, are in darkness. And so this is why they are surprised when they hear people talking about the rapture, the apostle. Because they, they're not expecting, they're not ready. They're not ready. My brother and sister. So that the day shall not take you by surprise like a thief. These people, the rapture, will surprise them. Oh, wow, I thought we had more time to say after the rapture. I remember when the Lord took me into the first day of the great tribulation right after the rapture. 
That next day was the talk of the town everywhere in the United States and the world. All people were saying, I'm talking about believers, those that were believers, but were backsliding, lukewarm Christian. And they were saying, if, if God would have given me another week so I, could, so I could get into fasting and prayer, then I would have made the rapture. And I go in around and I can hear all these people in the same conversation. Those that knew it was the rapture. Because then you got on television, Fox News, CNN, and all those channels, the aliens deceiving. You know what Fox, all these channels were doing after the rapture? They were televising alien ships on CNN, I remember. They have these live alien ships. On CNN after the rapture, the camera pointing to the ships, circle ships that were flying in the air. And they were capturing them live all over the U.S. as they were reporting of all these people disappearing, children disappearing by millions, by thousands, thousands was the word, maybe millions, the reporter says. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions. We don't know yet the number yet is what they were reporting. You know how they, they try to report you the news as accurate as possible. So the reporter was saying, as I was allowed to hear and watch, you know, we have thousands, hundreds of thousands disappear. First he says thousands. They, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, but we, we don't know yet. How many have disappeared, they were saying on CNN. But the camera of these alien ships was going on all day long. My brother and sister. And you think about why, why is it so important for the elite that they have this camera, CNN camera, playing online all day long? Why is that so important to them? My brother and sister. And they kept repeating the, the footage. And look, we got new footages now. And, and, and the cameraman had the camera pointing up in the air. And these live ships, only a few hundred feet up in the air. Really good picture. I mean, you're talking about 4K picture. Really good picture, right? Now they're moving the equipment into 8K. Okay? 4K recording of these alien ships, crystal clear. In a crystal clear day. Be it with no cloud, being recorded of these ships flying in the air a few hundred feet, and they were getting really, really good pictures of these ships flying around. And they were just putting their feet in it right through CNN. If you had a television, which everyone has one right now, almost everyone, not everyone, almost everyone, I would say 99.98% of the people has a television and digital. I don't believe someone have analog television, because I see now people in the higher mountain up the, in the worst place have a digital television now. Okay, and, and there are people in Africa that has a better cell phone than mine. Okay, so in Nigeria the people have better cell phone than me. Okay, maybe even better television, better computer than me. You know the world has changed. We're living in a complete different world. My brother and sister, okay? And all these images, all these live video, were being put through CNN. 
and Fox News was reporting on it. But you can see the reporter, and then we'll pass some of the photo and video. And they will say this is not yet confirmed. But this is what is being caught in the what is being captured on the air of life, and they will pass. And then the rest of the station was practically the same. It's not going to be any different. Why is it so important that, what do we have now, over a thousand channels? A thousand channels, every single program is interacting now. And all these alien ships now is the greatest new light than ever being passed through our television in the first day of the Great Tribulation, right after the rapture. The first day, right after the rapture. That, that's, that's, that's the news. And it's all pointing those ships, alien ships, to the disappearing of all these people. And you're going to have all the scientists, engineers, professors, teachers. They're going to be interviewed on television. And they're all going to agree that this alien ship has to do with the disappearing of these people, maybe millions of people, my brothers and sisters. And they didn't know on the first day where there was millions or billions of people that disappeared. They cannot give you a number, but they government assured that all this was under investigation. But they can almost confirm that, yes, it was alien. But it would have to be investigated. Like we know a lot of investigations that have been going on for years that has no ending. My brother and sister. But it is the gray deceive. The seafmen come on the air. My brother and sister. Great deceivement. And it's in the word of God. Believe it or not. God said that this would happen in the last days. My brother and sister. And we're going to research this in our Bible study. We're going to go into the word on Tuesday night. We'll talk about this. Where the Bible talks about this great deceivement that is coming upon the earth. Because that cannot be annoying God's word because God will have to warn humanity that this will come for them to watch out, to be careful. One, one of the great advice in that wisdom is the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel talks about nations and people, leaders and kings, that in the last day, they will be ahead in front of people, deceiving people in such a way that multitude will follow them. The problem with following people Whatever they say, even though it's a complete lie of the enemy, people are going to fall in it because people want to follow people. God made us to follow Jesus, to be like Christ. And this is why in people's spirit, they feel they need to follow someone because we were made to follow Christ, to follow Jesus. This is why when Jesus went to his disciple on the earth, he says to Peter, Peter, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. The only way we're going to make it to heaven is by following Jesus. So it is ingrained in our spirit, inscripted in our spirit, that we are supposed to follow the Lord, someone. So this is why you see the multitude following men. They need to follow someone. If they're not following Christ, they are following the Antichrist. My brother and sister. This is the fact of the matter. Paul said, but you, brother, are not in dark sins, that that day should take you by surprise like a thief. If a person is not repenting, of course it's going to be caught by surprise. 
because it's not repenting, still have sins in their life. They're blind by the sin. For you are all people who belong to the light. See, light, when God made us, it is engraved in our spirits that light is the way to go anywhere. When you're going to go out in the dark, you get a flashlight. When you come into your house, when it's dark, you immediately want to turn the light in your house. It's been engraved in our spirit that we need light to see. And Jesus is the light of the world. In order for us to see, we need to have faith in our lives. My brother insisted. But man, I say unto God, no, I don't need your light. And I'll walk without your light. And that's why they're falling into the, the hand of the devil. My brother insisted. We belong to the day. Why do we belong to the day? Because he was the one who formed us in the womb of our mother. He was the one who breathed our spirit into our life. We belong to him. Each human being belongs to him. We don't belong to the night or darkness. Although the devil wants to call these people his children. It was God who made them to be. They don't belong to darkness. They don't belong to the devil. They belong to God. They belong to Jesus. My brother and sister. So let not be sleep like the rest are. On the contrary, let us stay alert and sober. People who sleep, sleep in the night. And people who get drunk, they get drunk in the night. People that get drunk are in sin. That's why it's, in the, it's part of the night. Getting drunk is part of darkness, part of the night. My brother and sister, we are not called to be getting drunk. Hallelujah. But the Bible said don't get drunk with alcohol. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says. Thank you, Lord. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us stay sober. Keep away from anything else that will get you drunk, but be only be drunk with the Holy Spirit, in another word. Putting in trust and love and breastplates and hope of being delivered as a helmet. The word, the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, is the armor of the Spirit, of the, of the armor of God is the Holy Spirit. Put him, put him on you. Take the word as your shield. Take the word as your sword. Marvel insists in the last days. Speak the truth. Speak the life, which is the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9, for God had not intended that we should experience his fury. That's what the great revelation is. The fury of God, the anger of the Almighty that will be put out. Bible and sister. I'm thinking of the sister that was taken to heaven. And she saw, I think it was like a boiling pot in heaven, which represented the fury of God for the day of benching of the Lord. In this huge part, she was given to her a revelation in heaven, a vision in heaven of the future. When the great tribulation begins, she saw the pot being turned. The pot is upside, boiling of the anger of God. And she saw that the power of the anger of God, when the great tribulation began, when the, the church was gone, the great tribulation began, 
the pub was being turned down sideways slowly. And what was coming out of the pot of the, over the earth was the fury of God. We began to destroy everything on his way. Of the, whatever, that fury, that anger, put a lava, like a volcano. As, that, as I was coming to the earth, everything on his way was being destroyed by it. My brother insisted, utterly destroyed, utterly destroyed. My brother insisted. And now what we for this program end. I'm going to play you a testimony of a great man of God of the lake of fire. This grown man in his 60s, you're going to hear him cry like a baby when Jesus showed him the, the lake of fire. He's going to try to describe in his best word what he saw. My brother and sister, what he, I've been there and I've seen it. But this man of God will try to describe to you as best as he can as he be an interviewer by his revelation of the lake of fire. My brother and sister, it's real. It's real. Like humanity cannot imagine. The Bible says very clear, God will not be mocked. Whatever man saw it, so he will reap. A lot of people don't know that what they're sowing is going to lead them into the lake of fire. What they're sowing today, the wicked word coming out of their mouth, the wicked actions that they're doing before God who is watching them, the great judge, Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead, is going to lead them to the lake of fire. They cannot imagine that. Father spoke to me about this a few months ago. I can never forget this revelation. It was the end of 22 December when Father and the Lord came to me. Father God began to talk to me two months ago about what he's about to release, the Antichrist upon the earth. He says to me, I'm about to release the Antichrist. Show me Obama upon the earth. He had a mighty army, endless army, of demon, chase shifter demon that look like human, a pure evil demon, merciless creature that he will order them under him, the commander-in-chief of wickedness, to go and get hold on to people who are not vaccinated and who doesn't have the RFID and to inject the RFID on the right hand. Whether they want it or not, he doesn't care. It's not a care of him how people feel, if people will cry, if people won't like it. He doesn't care about people's emotions, whether they have any money or not, whether they're homeless and living in the street or not, whether they have a mansion and have a lot of billions of dollars in the bank account. He doesn't care for none of those things. He doesn't care for any soul. The devil knows that he has but a short time. And he wants all the people of the earth to go with him into the lake of fire. 
This is why Revelation 13, Revelation 13, 16, my brother and sister, is very clear. And it has to be, hallelujah, said and repeated yet again. He will make all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, that receive a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, that no man, no, none, none, man, might buy or sell. Only he that have the mark in the name of the beast, in the number of his name, he will cause all, he will make all, he will obligate all. There's an obligatory, mandatory is the word that the government uses. It's a mandate from the government, from the commander-in-chief, Maple and sisters. I listen into a prophet, I would say prophecy, in the in the in the Simpson cartoon earlier, there was this guy talking about prophecy from the Simpson, fifteen of them on YouTube. He was talking about how the Simpson had predicted all these major events that had happened, including the vaccine, the COVID. And one of the episodes they predicted back in what is this is ninety seven about the, the, the vaccine that will come um I'm trying to think. Okay. He didn't he didn't say China, I believe it was Asia, which all these Asian countries, Japan, China, and all of them included, the virus come. They were not pointing it specifically to China, but they meant that it came from China in a box to the United States. And when one of the symptoms opened, one of the cartoon opened the the box, the virus comes out, okay, and comes airborne. And then people on the street are being infected by the virus because it's airborne. One of the things that was said about COVID-19 in 2020, that it became airborne, my brother and sister, I was like, I'm looking at this, you know, but it's really, really Hallelujah. Really, really real that all these things have been said. My brother and sister have happened accordingly. They knew what they were bringing. They knew what would happen. I was watching it with my children. They're looking at like, wow, I never had let my children watch the symptoms. We used to watch it back in the 90s. We stopped sometime in the 2000s, early 2000s, not to watch it again because we knew that was not of God. But to, to watch that these things were said years ago, it is just so amazing that it just happened. The data COVID, COVID dying the way he died, my brother and sisters. And again, I was telling my sons how COVID is in heaven saved because we are saved by grace. I have seen him twice now or three times. One of the last time COVID spoke to me in heaven, my brother and sisters. And the advice of Kobe to me is I used to like watching basketball a lot. And the advice of him is to stay away from these things of the world. Okay? Look at the advice of him who have repented from playing basketball, who have repented from loving basketball. This is Kobe Bryant in heaven now, who has saved with his daughter. He repented from 
playing basketball ever before God. Repented for being a basketball player. Repent of it for having so many fun and all that and deceiving and lying to the people. He's a total new man. Repented man. Before God. Changed man. And he told me to keep these things away from my heart, my life. The basketball, the NBA and all that. Keep it away. Okay? It's what he he says to me. My brother insisted that it was still in me back then when he said it. And I repented for it. He died in 2020, I believe it was. And then the Lord gave me two dreams with him. And God used him to advise me in heaven to stay away from the NBA. Stay away from basketball. My brother and sister, there's so much it's witchcraft, sorcery, black magic in basketball. There's so much evil there that it will best staying away from it because it will contaminate you. It will, it will harm you and your relationship with God. I'm praying and fasting. Basketball will keep your mind busy and so much more. So it's better to stay away and stay holy and pure for the, for the Lord. My brother and my sister, people can see now that the latest basketball player, they are like, like cartoons because they're demons. And those body. So it's so much evil and wickedness in it. Hallelujah. Sad. So then stay away from football, basketball, <clears throat> any type of sport right now. And contaminate you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Yeah, these things are temptation and cloud of distraction. Yes. They distract us from really being focusing on the Lord, on his word and his promise. My brother and my sister, God help us. God help us because there's so much wickedness going on down here. So I was looking back from heaven, and I can see our life, my life, how the Lord has kept us, protected us in our work, in his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Is amazing. When you look back to your life with the Lord from heaven, you are going to see his faithfulness on your life. Because there are many things you won't see now. You're using 5% of your brain. Now when you're using heaven 100% of your brain plus more, and you see the things that God has done for you, how he has delivered you from the plan of the evil one, you'll be so thankful to the Lord. Because there's so much you don't see happening that is happening. My brother and sister, God is faithful. God can keep us. God can deliver us from the plan of the enemy. As long as you trust in the Lord and you commit your life to him and pray and fasting, the Lord will keep you. The Lord will protect you. The Lord will deliver you. Hallelujah. The Lord will bless your life. Because even though the whole earth is cursed, you don't have to be cursed. The curse don't need to be on your life, on your pocket on your fridge, on your home, on your family. Curse don't need to be on you. And your relationship with your family, the curse don't need to be there. You can break that curse in Jesus' name. You can put it under the cross. You can put it under his blood. You can pray that the curse will be broken. If you don't have a relationship with your daughter, with your son, begin to pray to break that curse of the enemy. I didn't know years ago that the enemy can bring division among families. When Jesus showed me this, 
I remember not getting along with my brothers and sisters in New Jersey. For years, I'm visiting them. But for some reason, just because I'm a believer, and they were not, they, they wanted to bring argument about that. It bothers them. Then the Lord, I was talking to the Lord about this, and the Lord wanted to show me something. He took me in the spirit in my conversation with my brothers and sisters and showed me the devil bringing that division among us, cursing that, the relationship. The devil had cursed the relationship. The devil uses the curses. And I was stunned seeing the devil doing this. Then when the Lord brought me back, I began to pray and break these curses. And as I began to do this in prayer and fasting, I began to notice that my relationship with them now, there was nothing in between. To, to We were understanding each other more. We were getting along. As I was breaking these curses of the enemy, these attacks, these chains, and the spirit, I can see him, I put in these chains, which Isaiah 58 talks about breaking the chain through fasting. And these things can only be broken through fasting. My brother and sister, a lot of people don't even know that. That the change that the devil, my brother and sister, had put between them and the family, he had done it to separate them, to cause misunderstanding. You notice that you're telling your, your family something, and you know, it end up in argument, my brother and sister. Why do you think? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why did why do you when you are in a conversation with them? Hallelujah. Isaiah fifty eight six it is not this the fast that I had chosen to lose the band of wickedness and to undo the heavy burden and let the oppressed go free and that ye will break every yoke. This is what I saw the devil doing. Creating in the spirit to separate us, to cause the misunderstanding, the division. Notice that you'll be talking to your family. And notice that they misunderstand you. You say one thing, they hear another thing. I noticed that was happening even with brothers and sisters. I would say one thing, they will, then later on they say, brother, but you said this. And I'm like, that's not what they say. And I told a lot of people, go back to the beat and listen again. Why is it that someone says something and you hear something else. That's the devil works. That's the work of the devil. And that's what God saying in Isaiah 58 that you can break. It is not the fast that I had chosen to lose the ban of wickedness. These bands, I can see the devil making these bands with his hand and putting them between my brothers and I. And I, why is he doing this? It's in Isaiah 58. God told us this, this is the, the band of the devil, the wickedness. The wicked one is the devil who created these bands. And he created these, mis these misunderstandings. Under the sun, you say something to your mom, your brother, your sister, and they or your father, they understand something else. Or they hear something else. Then all of a sudden, they're in an argument with you. And they say, why do you say this? And then you're like, if you're trying to explain yourself. They don't want to hear it most of the time. They don't want to hear it. My brother and sister, you can say to them, I love you, and they hear, I hate you. Why do you tell me you hate me? I knew you always hate me. And it turns into an argument. But that's not what you said. That was the master of deceiver. 
And he does it spiritually. So if you're not fasting, if you're not breaking this, yeah, it could be because it's the work of the devil. You know, the work of the devil. And he does this to, to bring these divisions among family. For people not to understand each other. Because then if he brings a division, then you go your way, they go their way, and you go your way. And then there's no working on the relation. That's what the devil loves. That's what he wants. That's what, that's what he's looking for. That's why he's causing, that's why he's creating these bands. God says, not the fast that I had chosen. So it's like God said, obviously, this is what I had chosen for you. Thank you, Lord. Let me let me read this in the other Bible so we can have more light to this uh, here. Hallelujah. And this is the kind of fasting I have chosen. So God is saying, this is the one I want for you. This is the one, the one fasting I want for you. My brother and sister, this is his fasting. This is what he wants. Okay, this is from the Word of God translation. The kind of fasting I have chosen, loosen the chains of wickedness. That's what they are, chains of wickedness. Untie the traps of the joke. Remember the joke they used to put on, on, on cow? And I believe they used to put it on horses too, to work the land. Similar to that is what the devil was putting on people, spiritually, spiritually. And then when people are, the joke was to be able to control them one way. Keep on working the land one way. And because still back in the island, they still use those. And then you, you can direct them however you want them to go. And that's what the devil puts it on people. So he can direct them the way he wants them to go. And the way of wickedness, lust, sorcery, and so much more. My brother insisted. Untie the strap of jokes. Let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. When he says every yoke, of course it's every person, but one person can have more than one. Every yoke, significant more than one, more than one person, and more than one person also. So this is why you see some people behave one way, another people behave another way, the way the devil have their joke, they all behave according to the joke they have on. If a person has more than one, he'll behave more wicked than the other person. And if a person has four or five jokes on their lives, then the person becomes more wicked than the other two person. So this is why you see people that behave in different ways. And, and people say, I don't understand how can these people behave this way. Why my well, one of my uncle behaved this way? Why this other uncle behaved this way? Or why why does the uncle try to abuse me when you know it's supposed to respect me? And I, all these behaviors are a joke of the enemy that needs to be broken. But because these people are not following God, are not seeking God, are not serving God, are not in the work with God, walking with God, they have all these joke on their lives. And if you're the only Christian. You need to be the one fasting for them, praying for them, asking the Lord to set them free. He came to set the Kate free. Now, the question is, what happens if a Christian has one of these jokes on their lives? That person needs to fast and pray and break it. A lot of people want to go to an anointed preacher 
and say, lay hand on me so God can set me free from this. And they spend all their life looking for an anointed preacher. You can go to the Lord directly. I mean, I have heard this. It happens to me myself. Although I have a, I had anointed preacher pray on me, before they pray on me, the Lord had already set me free. Because I learned to go to the Lord in my personal relationship with him. I know I have this problem in my life. I had a habit of smoking cigarette. What was it? Mar- Marlboro Light? I can't remember. I think it was part of that. And I was having a hard time letting it go. So I needed to go to the Lord. I began to ask brothers and sisters, and some was just leave it. Let it go. Or, 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 or smoke less. That's what some people say. Or use the, the patch, and that'll give you all kinds of advice. Not more than can, can, can really work, unless the Lord sets you free. My brother and sister, that's what I learned from the Lord. So what I did was, I began to fast, and I began to study the word of the Lord. And I began to pray and ask the Lord that I wanted to see in his word. I wanted to learn from his word about these things. He led me here to Isaiah 58 in my other verses, my brother and sister. And then the Bible said, John, John 8, 31, the Jewish that came to Jesus, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then John 8, 37, whom the Son set free, it is free indeed. So that very moment, that verse was so impacting to my life 30 years ago, so impacting that I wanted, I wanted the Lord Jesus to set me free. Not any man or not just going to anointed preacher to lay hand on me. I wanted the Lord to set me free. I learned uh, confessing, truly, truly seeking the Lord, fasting and prayer. And I began to fast almost every day to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll fast every day if you want me to. I began to fast like three days a week, even working, four days a week, and even five days a week, even working. I was seeking for the Lord to be set free. I wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to evangelize. I felt a strong calling of the Lord in my life to lead people to Christ. My brother and sister, the power of God came over my life so powerful that it was like natural and set me free from cigarettes and many other things. My brother and sister, through fasting and prayer, I began to experience the power of God one-on-one with the Lord through fasting and prayer, fasting and praying, seeking the Lord, spending time with the Lord. I immediately went out. People in my church were surprised because they can already see the power of the Holy Spirit on my life because I was seeking him with all my heart to pray and fasting. And every time I will come to him, he will give me more. Got to the moment where I was walking with the person of the Holy Spirit in me, and now he was leading me and guiding me. He began to show me vision and revelation of things to come. My brother insisted. Amazing thing he began to show me. So I was walking with him. And I said, Lord, use me. As I see you using other people. Use me to lead people to you. 
I felt so good having the Holy Spirit in my life, him leading me, God in my life leading me, that I wanted this, my brother and sister, for everybody else. I, I was thinking if God can do this with me, I know he can do it with anybody else. And I said, Lord, use me. And I remember back in, in, in 90, 93, I would take a bus from one city to another. I didn't have no car back then. Every day to work. And what I did is I began to evangelize people on the bus, lead people to Christ, my brother and sister. I was sitting in the back of the bus or in the middle, and not to give myself space on the driver, so I will not bother the driver. And I will get, and I will begin to share the word with people, lead people to Christ there. Then I, ha I had a, a few blocks to work to walk to work after I came out of the bus, and I would take that opportunity in downtown to talk to the people right there about Jesus. Then I would take, I would do this every day. Then on Saturday. I had the whole day to evangelize. I went in, into fasting and prayer. My brother insisted that I would take my Bible, I would take Bible tracts, and then I would go out downtown to a different place. I would ask the Lord. My brother insisted. I remember making a few mistakes in the beginning, then asking the Lord to lead me and teach me. My brother insisted. Then I heard a testimony from this woman of God that every time... God answered me to her, my brother and sister. Every time she went to evangelize, she will lead people to Christ 100% without failing. I never heard anything like that. So God led me to this woman, and the woman, the presence of God came over her, and God spoke to her at that very moment. And God said, speak to my son right now how to evangelize. Hallelujah. I want to use him, the Lord says to her. And she went and gave me the word. Hallelujah. It was an appointed time of God. And then, hallelujah, she began to share with me how she will go into the supermarket. Before she went into the supermarket, she will be fasting in prayer and asking the Lord to lead her to the person that he wanted to save. Not like me, because I was going to, up to anyone. I didn't care who it was. I would go to anyone to evangelize them about Jesus. But then I would have people throw away whatever I was giving them, insult me, stay away from me, you fanatic, things like that. So I could see a lot of failure and only a few victory. And I wanted to have a lot of victory. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So what the Lord says was telling me through her was, if you ask me to direct you, to guide you, to lead you to the person, hallelujah, you got to ask me to lead you to the person. And I will lead you to the person that I want to save. And when you speak to the person from me, I will give you the word. That person, like she said, will begin to cry and receive Jesus right there without any hesitation or anything. It will be in 100% success. And I said, wow, I would like to have that success. Because I have a lot of people rejecting what I'm offering them. I mean, I want them to be insane and come to the Lord. You know, only a few victories, not a lot. Thank you, Lord. And when you read about Jesus, 
you don't read about him being rejected by people everywhere. Mostly when you read the, the book of, of Luke, what you read in Matthew, it's in victory, victory. Every time he's healing the sick, people are coming to him, people are being saved all the time. It's victory after victory. You don't hear rejection. Like you hear a lot of people being rejected today because of the gospel. So, and then when he chose the, the, the one he was sent two by two, also came back to Jesus and said, Lord, wow, we went and they, they came back with such a victory. Because in the Lord, with the direction of God, you will have victory. That's the way it is. Those failures will go away. Then I say, I want to have victory. How do I do it? How can I go to a person and right there lead them to Christ without hesitation? And then she said, if the Lord leads you to the person. The Lord knows the heart. The Lord knows the person. And the Lord is already working on the person before he sends you to the person. The Lord's been working on the person to drain salvation a different way. To give the life to Jesus. To change the life. To change the way. The person is not ready until he brings you to it. And then the Lord can usually set the person free. I said, that's what I want. Okay? Because the Bible says, don't know, doesn't know the, the Lord knows his own. So even if the person is not going to church, the person is going on with their life, God is working with this person to come to him. God knows who he is. This person's name is in the book of life. And all you have to do is lead unto Christ, confess Christ, my brother and sister. And right there, the person makes the commitment. And I said, Lord, I want this kind of victory. If I began to pray for this victory, when I will go to the parks, we will have these people come to the Lord and confess the Lord and receive the Lord. It was so noticeable in the church that people began to notice in the church that when I will go out to evangelize, I will have this 100% victory where other people will go and they will come back and say, we're being rejected. We're being rejected in a meeting with the pastor. And they will say, how is the brother Elvis going now? And he having this victory of these people receiving the Lord. While we are being rejected by people all the time. Thank you, Lord. Because when God does it, he does it perfect. My brother and sister, in him leading us to do his work. And when he does lead us, it's 100%. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So then we, I said, we asked the Lord to lead us and guide us and lead us to the people. We began to have victory in the nursing home, in the prison, in the street, in the park, in front of the store. Bible says, it's him leading. You got to ask him to lead you to the person he wants to save. You don't know who he wants to save. You see 10 people there out of the 10. You, your obvious interpretation that he wants to save all ten, and that's not wrong. But who out of those ten are ready to receive the Lord? There might be only one, or there might be two. You see, when you are being led by the Lord, who do you think is going to lead you? To so those two. But if you are led by your own flesh, by your own understanding, you say, well, I need to evangelize all ten. What happened with the eight? They'll turn around and insult you and tell you, get out of here, you're fanatic. You see, you got an insult. Less you knowing the truth the Lord wants to lead you to, he'll let you know when you speak to them, 
But two, they immediately understand your language when you're speaking to them about Jesus and the Word. They don't understand your language right away. The other eight, they don't care. They don't want to hear it. They want you to get away. So it's better for you to go to the two the Lord wants you to evangelize than to the, to the other eight that will reject you. So this is the difference when the Lord is leading you because this sister was being led by the Lord. He, she will go into the supermarket and say, Lord, lead me to the person you want to save, the person that is ready to receive you, Lord. So when she will go shopping, she was expecting to meet someone. And when she met that someone, the Lord will let her know, by the way, she's the one or he is the one I want, I want you to lead to me. Begin to talk to him or her about me. And right there, she will evangelize in a few minutes. She will be laying hand on the person, confessing the Lord as the Lord and Savior, believing that he died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, and confessing the Lord as his Savior. Right there, she will even invite him to the church after pray. My brother and sister, but whatever the Lord will let this person to go and become a disciple of Jesus, she will be leading people to Christ 100%. <clears throat> that 100% is what I wanted. My brother and sisters. Because it was getting tired of hearing people rejecting the Lord. And it hurts us. You know, when you're presenting Jesus to someone and they reject the Lord, it hurts us as a believer. My brother, and that's what I was getting a lot. And I, want, I, I wanted a way to evangelize and not being rejected all the time. My brother and sister, I wanted to lead people. I wanted to be successful in what I was doing. And that's what I began to have with the Lord later on. Success. Evangelizing. Leading people to Christ, having people confess the Lord, you know, growing the churches. That's what I did up in the community. Knew the different pastors, different churches. I would lead them to Christ. Whatever church they wanted to go to, I had no problem with it. That's another thing with, with believers. A lot of believers think that people should only go to the church or that church. Now, when you teach them the word, and there's a church that is marrying same-sex couple. You can mention that, but in a new believer, if you mention that, sometimes that can be problematic. So it's better to lead them to the Lord, get, let them to get to know the Lord, and then tell them how the Lord wants them to live and walk, my brother and sister. Amen? Because if you, if you lead a person to Christ now, a person that is new, and then you begin to create all these problems, that this church is this, that church is that, don't make the church an enemy. Lead them to Christ. And whatever church is closest to them that you can recommend, okay, recommend a, a church to them. I mean, we have brothers that I let, Lord help me let people to Christ in another city. It will be hard for them to travel to my city, especially in the, with snow and all that, and the wind is difficult. So they have to be led to the local churches where they can. So I knew a few of the local churches, or oh, the Lord will lead them to the churches that he wanted them to go. And then I will meet the pastor, and the pastor was very happy with what God has done. But the whole, the whole plan here is that we're working for the Lord, and we lead people to Christ. My brother and sister, that was back then. Now it's even more dangerous to send people to this church and that church, especially with that same marriage couple. Remember, the same marriage really began in Massachusetts where I was. Like when not even in California, Saints marriage people were being married when it started in Massachusetts. That's when the Supreme Court granted 
The court in Massachusetts granted same-sex marriage licensing, the first in the whole country, my brother and sister, right there when we were evangelizing, leading people to Christ. And that brought such a confusion to the people, my brother and sister, such a confusion. But that didn't stop us from leading people to the Lord and teaching the truth to people. Then we will have to uh, have a program to teach them about since marriage, what the Bible says about it, and that that should not be happening in the church, should not be part of the church. My brother insisted. And it's difficult because, it's, you know, other churches, uh, some churches be, begin to embrace this in Massachusetts, make it part of their, of their oh, we can't turn them away. we got to receive them just as they are. And, and that part there, we receive them as they are. And, but then they're, they're agreeing with their, their lifestyle, my brother and sister, to the point where I was working with, with, a, with a lesbian who was a deacon in her church. A few blocks from my church, she was a deacon. And she wouldn't have way to being an elder in the church. And she would go on a service with her lesbian partner that now they, they, they I believe, they already got the license to be a married. And the church, my brother insisted, the pastor, allowed this in the ministry. She wanted to come to my church and be a part of my church and all that. And I said that because of what she had done, she could not be in our ministry. Okay? She could not be in our ministry. She totally disagreed. She said that that would be illegal for us to deny her being part of the deacon. So it, it began, that law in Massachusetts began to be a problem in our churches. My brother and sister, like people cannot even imagine. Some pastors were led to move, and a lot of Christians began to leave the state. Churches, mega churches, big churches in Massachusetts, began to leave the state and go west. They began to leave, my brother and sister. That's why Massachusetts is not the same that it used to be. Yes, it's very advanced in science and a lot of things, my brother and sister, but what they approve is so wicked and so evil. Look where God led me to North Carolina, but God had led thousands to other states. My brother insisted, because it's not of God. It's just not of God, and God told us to get out. He was taking us out. My brother insisted, and now we can see the outcome of all this. It have become even worse. Then they sent letters to the pastors that if they refuse to marry same-sex uh, same couple, they will lose their, their marriage license. And then what happened? Pastors have to turn in their license. If, if they're men of God and women of God who, who were called by God, who knew God disapproved this, they had to turn in their license. And I heard pastor saying to me, Master Jesus, I'm, I'll turn in my license. I will marry them. They can go someone else. The state wants to make me marry them. I will marry them. I will not. I refuse to. In obedience to the word of God. And that is the truth. Bible insists a lot of people don't understand why the some people act this way. And it is because you have to choose who you're going to serve. You cannot serve your master. If you marry them in the church of the pastor, you are choosing to serve your master. And then you will end up hating Jesus and loving the world, the Antichrist. Why do you think there's so many people in love in the United States around the world with the Antichrist? And the Antichrist system, the Babylonian system, AI, 
That's the Antichrist system, AI. Bitcoin, that's the Antichrist system. Stock market, that's the Antichrist system. Why are there so many people in law with it today? Because they're serving two masters. And the fact is they're going to end up serving one, Jesus said, hating one and loving the other. My brothers and sisters, when in fact Jesus said that to follow him, we will have to be willing to give up what? Even our wife, our children, our family. Even if, 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 a, if an eye will stop you from entering heaven to plug it out, and it's better for you to enter heaven with one eye than with two. You know, these, these are, why did Jesus use these literally the way he spoke? Because it's to give us an understanding they have to be willing to give up everything for the Lord. Even the things you love most, your children, your wife, your parents, your family. You have to be willing to give up everything, including your own life. That's why he says even those that try to save their life will lose it. But those that will lose their life for the kingdom will save it. That's what we are today. We have to be willing to die for Jesus. Be willing to lose everything we have, including our lives, physical life, because the devil, the Antichrist cannot take our spiritual life. Lest you agree to be vaccinated, take the RFID in your right hand. That's different. Now, God is amazing. Because look, God doesn't make you do anything. He calls you by love to serve him. And then you have to be willing to give everything for him. Because of love. My brother insisted. Hallelujah. The mark of the beast. Without it, people will not be able to sell or buy. Buy or sell. Buy can include Bitcoin, stocks, food. My brother insisted. Or sell stocks. Or sell Bitcoin. Or gold. To buy gold, sell gold. Everything is included of this system. Gold, silver, Bitcoin, stocks, cash, money, currency, whatever you want to name is included in the system of the Antichrist, of this world. If you get tied together in that system, the danger is that if you want to protect your money, the reality is you're going to end up losing it. The Antichrist is taking all the monetary system and turning it into digital by July of this year, Biden had pushed that by July of this year, United States and NATO and the rest of the world are going to go into a digital currency. What does that mean? What that means is it doesn't matter where you invest in gold or anything. It's all going to go digital. My brother insisted. Digital means the government will have total control of your money with the unlimited implication of your life. He just the, the Antichrist system doesn't just want your money. That's why you won't be able to buy yourself. He wants your soul. And if your soul is tied with your money, then you'll get your soul. If you think that you're going to be able to make money in the system. Then you may be willing to give up your soul for it. 
because the digital currency that is coming, that the whole world will be tied with, my brothers and sisters, has to do, hallelujah, God has made us a promise. When the children of Israel went into the wilderness, they had no money. A slave for 400 years, Pharaoh had total control of their income, possession. So when God leads them out of Egypt, they only have what God gave them through the Egyptian to go into the wilderness. But you know that even the gold and everything they went into the, into the wilderness with, were not going to be useful for them to eat or buy. That God will supernaturally will have to provide to them in order for them to eat. My brother and sister in the wilderness. God provided the clouds to protect them from, from the sun, from the heat of the sun in the day. And he, pro, he provided a fire that will lit up in the night to keep to keep all dangerous snake and animals, scorpions, away from them, from biting them. That fire made the scorpion and snake hiding into the cave. Stay away from the children of Israel during the night. Because every single animal was afraid of the fire. That's why God supernaturally provided the fire for the day, and the, the, so the cloud for the day and the fire for the night. My brother and sister. Father showed me the other day, the Lord showed me the other day, he's going to provide to us supernatural food in the days to come. Whatever days after the July, and we're still here, whatever days after July, after they implement the digital dollar, digital currency, my brother insisted, worldwide, if we are trusting in the Lord, the Lord showed me that we will pray for food, and food will appear in our table. My brother and sister, I don't know if we need to worry about rent, light, and all that. Because the time is coming, there will be no power in our city, in the United States, and I believe in the world. Our power and our internet are going down. Our cell phone will also be useless. I was able to experience it myself. I try to use my cell phone in the days to come when God brings his judgment. And it was useless. So our cell phones are going to be useless. Our power in the house is going to be useless. My brothers, so our system will be useless too. My brother and sister. And why is God bringing this? Our show time. To get many more to repent. And bring us home. It's a true time of mercy and grace. Before the door is completely closed. Someone says to me this week. That the Lord told him that the door in heaven is shut. The Lord has not confirmed that to me yet. So I cannot say it is. As Jesus showed me a couple years ago. The door is about to be in shut. I don't believe it's shut because we're still here. Because this door was shut when the bride comes in. When Noah came into the ark is when the door was shut. Not before. So it made no sense that the door will be shut now. But the bride still needs to come in. So no. I don't believe the door is shut. 
okay? I believe that once the church comes in, as it says in Matthew 25 and, and Genesis 7, that the door will be shut after we come in completely. And then there's no going back anymore. My brother and sister, the Lord and Father both have said to me that I'm almost home. Almost home. So whoever going home with us in the rise of the pasture, we're almost home. Almost. We're almost there. There's barely nothing left. My brother and sister, don't worry about the three days judgment. The three judgment, don't worry about those things. Those things can happen. Boom, 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 quickly. God can do anything at any moment, at any time. He has the power to do so. My brother and sister, he wants us to trust him. Hallelujah. And just keep our eyes on him. Hallelujah. Verse 10, who die in our behalf, so that whether we are alive or dead, we may live alone with him. Talking about Jesus who died on the cross. Therefore, encourage each other. Build each other up just as you're doing. Hallelujah. This is what we need to be doing. Building each other up in the Lord. My brother and sister. Yes, get ready with supply for the days to come. It makes it easier for us. No power outages. No water because, you know, our, our, our city water runs with the, the generator that generates the water, the power. It needs electricity. If we don't have electricity in the city, our, our, there, will, there will be no water coming in either. So you're going to have to get used to, I don't know for how many days, without water, without food, in the supermarket for you to go purchase. As we've been doing until now, my brother and sister, God has been speaking to us through his prophet. My brother and sister are these things to come. And they are practically here. Some people are going to wake up one of these mornings and find themselves in the middle of this mess. And then ask themselves, I, they may say to him, so I did not listen because I did not prepare. And basically what it is, I, Brother Ben and I have been talking about this. On the last minute, when God told us to stay home, not to go out, we're not going to go out of our house. My brother and sister, we're going to stay in. During the three days of darkness, we're not going out. We're going to listen to the Lord about this. We're staying in. Whatever is happening outside, hallelujah, we like Noah, we are warning people that this is coming. Whoever doesn't get into the ark is on them after they hear the warning. This is it. We're there. My brother says, I hear this testimony about the lake of fire. Thank you, Lord. And I looked, and there were people. They were lined up side by side as far as you could see, as far as I could see back, and as far as I could see to the left, and as far as I could see to the right. They were lined up side by side. And they had their hands up and their mouths open. They were screaming, but I couldn't hear them. They were screaming in terror, but I couldn't hear them, but I could see them. And then I looked, the flames came up to about almost to their waist but you know how fire goes up and like they say the fire licks the, 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 the fire was going up chest high and their skin was melting 
but it didn't come off. It bubbled. The skin bubbled. It's like um, well, you've seen things that bubble. Mm-hmm. The skin was bubbling. It was boiling. It was bubbling, but it didn't fall off. And the people were screaming. And there were these creatures. They were as big as, you know, they were as big as a dog, bigger, as a good-sized dog. But they were like black bumblebees. But what we're talking about today is the, uh, we're talking about judgment and the lake of fire. Because if I don't get this out now, then it'll be a long time before I say this again. Hell itself is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. You're going out of the frying pan into the fire. It gets worse. It's 100,000 times worse than going to hell. I was standing there, and I was looking out, and I could see like a, it was like a light, light smoke. So it wasn't dark. It was like a light, so it was a haze, but it was very light. I could see it. <clears throat> And I thought I was seeing something from a distance. And uh, then it started to move. I was on a platform. The platform started to move forward. And I realized I was standing behind a transparent, like a glass barrier. And I moved forward and it stopped. I'm on the platform. And I looked and there were people. They were lined up side by side as far as you could see, as far as I could see back, and as far as I could see to the left, and as far as I could see to the right, they were lined up side by side. And they had their hands up, and their mouths open. They were screaming, but I couldn't hear them. They were screaming in terror, but I couldn't hear them, but I could see them. And then I looked, the flames came up to about almost to their waist. But you know how fire goes up like they say, the fire licks. The, the 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 fire was going up chest high, and their skin was melting. But it didn't come off. It bubbled. Their skin bubbled. It's like um, well, you've seen things that bubble. Mm-hmm. Just their skin was bubbling. It was boiling. It was bubbling, but it didn't fall off. And the people were screaming. And there were these creatures. They were as big as, you know, they were as big as a dog, bigger, as a good-sized dog. But they were like black bumblebees, and they were flying, and they had these stingers. And the stingers looked like they were about two feet long. And there was three of these things around each person, all the way down, all the way back. And two of them would, when they put their hands up and scream, they would, the stingers, they would stick them through their hands. And the people would scream some more. And then when they opened their mouth to scream, the third creature would stick the stinger in their mouth. They would stick it all the way in their mouth, and then they would scream more. And they, they moved like, it was like, almost like a cartoon with precision. They moved, the, 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 the creatures, they, they moved the, the one that stung you in the left hand would move to your mouth, sting you in your mouth. Then it would move to your right hand, and it would move to the next person. So they moved like that. And the people just 
screamed and their skin bubbled, but they wouldn't, the skin wouldn't fall off. And they just, they were just there. <clears throat> and I looked at that and I, I couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, whap! One of those black things hit the hit the hit the front of the glass where I was standing. He was trying to attack me. Whap! And I stepped back. And the angel said to me, "These things will attack anything here." And I knew that's where Satan was going. And the death angel, who I I I, I pray to God I get to see him thrown in. I hate that sucker. But I, I realized what they're going to go through and that this was meant for them. This was never meant for humans. It was meant for the devil and his angels. The punishment is bad enough to punish an angel. It's bad enough. That's hell. And the lake of fire is bad enough to punish one of the chief angels, which Satan was when he was Lucifer. The punishment had to be bad enough to punish a chief angel. It is absolutely horrible. And the platform started to move back. And, uh, and uh, excuse me, the angel was serious. He said, tell him. Tell him, don't come here. You, <laughs> excuse me. Okay. You tell him, don't come here. I realize this is the final. This is the final judgment and the final place for all who don't accept Jesus as Christ. There's no way around it. Like we say on the street, don't get it twisted. There's no place else to go. If you don't go to him, you go there. God doesn't want you there. God wants you with him. But he has no choice. If you will follow Satan, if you don't follow Jesus, you're following Satan. And you will go where Satan is going. If you will follow Jesus, you'll go where he's going. But if you, follow, if you don't follow him, you're following Satan. You're going to go where Satan goes. And you're going to get the same punishment that was planned for him. God help you. Don't play with this thing. Do what's right. You need Jesus now. Ask him to save you now. Why don't you lead them to the Lord right now? Because I can feel such anointing right now, our dear brother. The same thing. Come on. Why don't you ask If them? this has touched your heart, from your heart, You believe on uh, you. You believe unto righteousness. And with your mouth, you confess the salvation. So you confess. You open your mouth, and you confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Lord Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Save me. Take me as I am, and make me yours. If you believe, if you believe that this is true in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and he is who he says he is you say this out loud with your mouth Lord Jesus come into my heart save me now everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved without exception 
if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and I'm telling you it's true, you can say this and you can be saved and you can be in the family of God and you can turn your back on the place I just described to you. Don't go there. Come to Jesus. I was raised in a Baptist house, a Baptist home. My father, now this is in the 50s when I was a little boy. My father said, you have to go to church. He told all of his kids, and there was 10 of us in the house at that time, you all go to church on Sunday morning. He wouldn't go because there was a new pastor at the Baptist church near our home. And he thought he was too lenient on the people. Now, this is 19, you know, 50-something, I wonder. <laughs> you know, the early 1950s. And he thought the pastor was too lenient on the people. He didn't get on the people bad enough about, you know, uh, dancing and music. They didn't believe in none of that stuff. But uh, So they were Baptists. But I never heard the Word of God. Never. The only sermon I ever remember that pastor preaching that I remembered anything about was he started with this corruptible shall put on incorruption. I remember that plainly. This corruption shall put on incorruptible. And then, you know, they start screaming. And that was preaching. And uh, then when they get through, doors of the church are open. They put a chair in front of the pulpit. The doors of the church are open. You can come by letter or you come by experience. You come by letter, you were supposed to get a letter from your last church stating that you were a true Christian and a believer. You bring it to your new church and you were accepted in the church. You come by experience, that means that you felt God touch you. You come up and sit in the chair and you join the church. Nobody, I never heard anybody say Come to Jesus, accept Jesus as Savior. And none of them never heard anything like that. So I was, I was very religious. I studied uh, Muhammad, not Islam, but it was called Muhammadanism, where you studied the wisdom and the teachings of Muhammad and uh, the noble Drew Ali, who was a Moor, the Moorish science temple. And I looked at Hinduism, which is ridiculous. And I looked at Buddhism, which is silly. And uh, I looked at Confucianism, but it was kind of confusing. Confucian, Confucian is kind of confusing. But um, so I was um, a Muslim, you know, and uh, I just kept studying. There's something here. There's something missing. And I just kept studying and kept studying. And then when I started chasing this girl to church at uh, Crenshaw Christian Center, I, I, I heard the word and I got born again. But I didn't get born again at church. I got born again in my office. I had a detail shop. And in my office, my life was so screwed up. I was so angry. And, and out of control. I would fight at the drop of a hat. In fact, you didn't have to drop the hat. Take the hat off, I'd, I'd start swinging. And uh, my life was, I was out of the military, and my life every day went like this. After the detail shop closed, I would go to the local bar, which was like a block down the street. And it was owned by a Greek guy. But when he went to the liquor store, he would buy Chevrolet Regal for me. 
So when I came in, he would set up his bottle of Chevy's Regal, and I would drink a fifth of Chevy's Regal a day. I would sit there till I drank a fifth of Chevy's Regal. Then I would go out looking for trouble. And I like to go to the Cholo bars. You know what a Cholo is, the Mexican mobster. Right. I like to go to the Cholo bars because I was good at bar fighting. I never got hurt in a bar fight. So, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can start a lot of trouble and have a lot, what I call a lot of fun in bar fights. So I would go find the nearest Cholo bar I could find because they were supposed to be able to fight, but they couldn't fight. And I would start a fight. And we would tear the bar up. And then the sheriff's deputies would come, and they would grab the Mexican guys and beat on them and drag them out. Because when they came in, uh, the, the deputies would always say, who started this? Everybody in the bar would turn off and point at me. Everybody. Bartenders, bystanders, everybody would turn at once, like in the movies, turn and point at me. And I'm sloppy drunk. And the sheriff deputies, this happened two, three times a week, every week for two years. The sheriff deputies would look at me and look at them, and then start, and then beat them. Wow, he, he, that guy couldn't stand enough. He can't stand up and drag him out and take him to jail. And then they would offer me a ride back to my ah. office because I I slept in my office. And uh, I don't know for some reason I wouldn't stay in the house. There was a house attached to the property, but I wouldn't stay in there. It was too big and too lonely. My office was smaller, and so uh, they would give me a ride back. And I would stand in front of my office usually until the sun came up laughing. Laugh, I, I would laugh so hard I cried because they never figured out that I actually did start the fights. Never figured it out. <clears throat> and it got to the point where I was just finished. I, I, I was just through. It was, it was just, this was too much. This can't go on. And I had a bathroom in my office. It was no bigger than four feet across. It was right. You could step in the door and close the door behind you, and you were really actually touching the sink and the mirror there, and the, the, the uh, toy was next to it. But there was no room in there to do anything other than go to the bathroom or wash up or something. So I went into the, I went into the bathroom one day, and I looked in the mirror. I said, this, this cannot continue. This, this cannot go on. I cannot go on like this. I cannot continue. And I cried out to God. And I said, God, if you're there, my mother told me. This is exactly what I said. My mother told me about you, but I don't know you. But if you're there, you need to do something now. Because this is the end for me. I can't go on like this. I'm not going to allow this to happen. Not one more day. And I heard this. I didn't cry before I got saved. You know that. I heard somebody say, why don't you give me a chance? Yeah. And it was not, <clears throat> excuse me, it was not inside, it was in my ear. Why don't you give me a chance? I spun around in the room. And there's a door right there. And I shook my head and I, I, was, I broke out into a cold sweat. I said, phew, Robert, you really have gone crazy. Wow, you really are out of it. And he said it again, why don't you give me a chance? And I knew it was Jesus. I stepped out of the bathroom over to my desk. And he said, 
Well, I said something first. I said, you know, if 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 uh, I do give you a chance, if I do accept you, we have to go all the way. If you're not going to stay with me all the way, if I can't go through with this all the way, leave me alone and let me die. And he said, look at John 1.17. I had the Bible my mother had given me when I went into the army. And I had to go into the index to find John. So I went to the index and looked up John. And I went, that's John 1.17. And he said, read it. And I said, for the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, if you live by my rules, you won't mess up. You won't make a mistake, he said. You live by my rules, you won't make a mistake. And if you do make a mistake, my grace will cover you. I said, yes, and he saved me, and the Holy Spirit kicked all the demons out of me. I won't even go into that. It took, I guess I have not, I'm there now, so. I got up from behind my desk, and something grabbed me, but it was inside, and threw me out the door. I was 205 pounds, because I just got out of the military. I was 205 with 5% body fat. And something picked me up and literally threw me through the door of my office out into the walkway. And I had a garage that I used for storage. And I was pushed back and forth across the parking lot until I walked in the door of this garage. I didn't know where I was going. It just... And something picked me up and threw me across the garage floor. I mean, a, a garage, not a not a small one-car garage. It was like a three-car garage. Threw me to the other side of the garage. Now, my eyes are like this, and my mouth is open. I have no idea what's going on. Then something picked me up and threw me to the other side of the garage. This went on for like 30, 40 minutes. Wow. I got thrown off. And I realized later it was the Holy Spirit kicking those demons out of me. These, these suckers were tough. <laughs> and uh, I was thrown around that garage like a like a rag doll. I mean, I mean, literally picked up off the floor and thrown. I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean just pushed around a little bit. I mean picked up and thrown across the garage. This went on for like thirty minutes, thirty five minutes, and uh, finally. I wound up in my in a chair I had back there, a roller chair, an office chair. I picked up and thrown into the chair, and I rolled all the way across the garage backwards in that chair. And when I stopped, I opened my mouth, and other tongues came out. I started praying out. And uh, the girl who I was dating at the time, she had come in through the office looking for me and didn't see me. So she came back there and opened the garage door and took one look at me and started crying and said, You've been saved. And that's how I got saved. That was how many years ago? That Lord. was 1986. I forgot to tell you the year. It was 1986. 1986. June 30th, 1986 at 12.30 p.m. at 7730 East Garvey Avenue. You can go look at the I don't play with this. This is absolutely 
necessary for your life. You must be born again. Mm-hmm. You must be born again. I have Jehovah Witnesses. They like they like to debate. They, um, they used to come by my when I had a duplex in L.A. They used to come by and knock on the door. I, I would wait for them. But I would wait for them. And I wasn't supposed to let them in, but I would I would invite them in to sit down. A couple of them. And then they would break out their little Bible. I had a copy of the Bible that they used, so I knew what was in it. I knew all the spots where it was different from the King James and where they had screwed up the translation and all that. So I would invite them in like I didn't know anything. <laughs> and then I'd get them, I'd sit them down in the living room, and then I would attack them for, a half, for an hour or so. And they got to the point where when they got to my house, they would cross the street. So I would go out and walk down the street with my, hold my Bible behind my back, hoping they wouldn't see it. But they would go across the street. They wouldn't come in. So, but one day they sent this guy. He was supposed to be one of the elders or something. He came in. He's going to discuss. Uh, he's going to discuss his research in the Bible with me. And he started talking, and he had gone, he went over some of the stuff I had jumped on the other guys about. So I just looked at him and I said, "You know something? You must be born again." He got up and left. I said, "You must be forget all of the all the research and all the Greek and all the Hebrew." You must be born again. And he left. Didn't want to hear it. When it's all said and done, no matter how much Greek you know or how little Hebrew you know, no matter how much you've heard, no matter how much you think you've read, you must be born again. Without it, the Bible is useless for you. The only thing the Bible is good for for you is telling you that you must be born again. The rest of the Bible is for us, for the body of Christ. But you must be born again, period. It was, you know, when you're you're skiing and you're on one of those lifts, and the lift goes from the top of the hill all the way down to the bottom of the hill? Well, that's what, um, that was, that's, instead of being chairs on the lift, there was people hanging without heads or the bottom half of their, um, bodies. And this was the strange, most sickening, disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. First, I just saw all the bodies without the heads and without the, um, that were decapitated and had no bottom half of their bodies, and it was men and women. And um, the line keeps on coming, and my viewpoint stays the halfway point. And then I see that after um, after a while, there are some people who do still have heads but do not have the bottom half of their body. And there was just like this ominous, to this moment I can still hear, this ominous, sound like this ominous music note that was just like it was so weird anyhow I was looking at there was a man who was left out of all of them he was left to have his head so that he could see this it was horrific he was writhing in pain he couldn't do anything because he was stuck to this torture, torture ski lift. 
um, there was a woman there, maybe. I'm not sure, but I all I heard was, she's a Protestant. And then it cuts to a woman at the very front of the lift. Not even, oh my God. She was attached. She wasn't a. She wasn't a victim of the decapitation or the. Um, or having her bottom half cut off as as well. She just for some reason was at the very front of it, hanging on for dear life, knowing she was going to be murdered in a cruel, cruel, torturous way. And all the way there, she's going, ah! like screaming. And she's like, she, and I just hear, she's a Protestant. And zoom, it cuts to her. And she, uh, God didn't show me what was going to happen to her. And she knew, she knew that she was going to be tortured. She knew, and she knew she had to go through that, maybe to die so that she could be part of, I don't know. I'm not really very, honestly. I'm I'm sorry that I'm sharing this and I don't know very well, but I'm going to put something maybe in a, a response to this. But um, during the tribulation, um, you're gonna you're gonna see things in a different different perspective. Maybe maybe she was at the very head of the line because. What maybe God told me, hey, she's Protestant, maybe because she had the faith, but she didn't repent. And so, instead of, I don't know, for some reason, she threw herself at the very front of that line of torture. Everyone else had been tortured already and killed and murdered. I guess she somehow was able to hang on and... She went inside, and it was horrific. It was horrific. You want to talk about scary? You want to talk about saw? Worse than that. Okay, anyhow, put to the very back of it, a man is hanging on for dear life. And I think that he's about to do the same thing as her. He's got the same idea in his head. Allowing someone to decapitate him, maybe, so that he could, they say, like, Christians will be will be persecuted, maybe to share in the persecu- persecution. And he's praying this prayer, and he's like, he's like, um, there's so many, there's so many people, honestly, who didn't go through the the decapitation, that just decided to just take their own lives instead, which technically that's suicide, people. Yeah, if you want to have someone to, it, I mean, God, there were so many people at the very bottom of, he was looking down and all I could see was, they were like 60 feet away from the the bottom of the, the hill, and there were so many people that were, that just decided to, instead of staying on the lift and being decapitated and suffering that decapitation, that they would just jump, jump to their death. Guess what? That's everlasting hellfire. Okay? I'm sorry, but I... Uh, no. 
That is why they make it so, that is why the Antichrist is going to make it so hard for every single person because it's going to be a long, 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 long wait until you get to the point where you're going to be decapitated. And he will, and if you're stuck here, he will scare you into thinking that it's going to be this torturous, torturous. You know what's torturous? Is waiting for it. Watching other people die. That's torturous. You want to be saved if you're stuck here? Don't take your own life. Even if you have to go through some amount of torture. And I pray that I, to God, I pray to God that I do not eat my own words by saying that. Pray to God I'm not stuck here. I know that there's going to be a persecution of the church, but but um, I believe in the rapture and believe that there is going to be there's going to be wars there's going to be all these different things i'm sorry i wish i could have just you know gotten my bible and maybe looked for a few scriptures before i posted this but honestly this was too urgent i needed to share this while it was fresh in my mind um so that's what it what when i was watching this i didn't realize that that was what it was that it was a ski lift what well, was during summertime and just imagine just imagine the stench of dead human life just so disgusting and it was like a um they had made some sort of torture chamber and honestly the devil is using people during the tribulation to get as many souls as to get as many souls to scare christians into not um going standing up for their faith and instead cowering and trying to take their own life. Um, okay, so anyways, go cut to, back to the, the guy who was also on the torture chamber and he was hanging on, he was hanging on like as if he was going to go through with it, like as if he was going to allow the, the guy to, the Antichrist or whoever to cut off his head. It's something that Christians are persecuted. Okay, anyhow. I just heard his prayer and he was just like, Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, I just don't want to die a horrific way. I just don't want to die a horrific way. This is much better. And he jumps, boom, and he dies. And I was just like, well, I guess that's better when I was watching him. And then I realized, no, not better. Not better. Okay, um, the point that you need to get out of this, I don't know, but I just thought I'd share with you what I saw. Okay, God bless you. Lord, so let's get busy. Is there hope after the rapture? I, I get this question all the time. Of course there's hope after the rapture. But when you understand how hard it's going to be to turn to Jesus during the seven-year tribulation, and you're hearing this now during the age of grace before the seven-year tribulation. Don't ask me that question. Just turn to <laughs> just turn to Jesus now. You'll be beheaded for your faith. Many people look at waiting. You know, it's like they don't really believe. 
So they hear about the rapture. <coughs> Excuse me. They hear about the rapture. And they don't really believe it, but they want to know. I, I can catch the next train, right? So if you guys are right and the rapture happens, I'll, I'll turn to Jesus then. You might, and you might not, because it's going to be way harder then than it is now in this church age, the age of grace. And you will be, if you turn to Jesus after the rapture, you will be, if you survive it to that point, beheaded for your faith. Let's read out of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 4. King James Version. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So yeah, there will be, and I think there will be many who turn to Jesus after the rapture, but they will be beheaded for their faith. And I just, I don't understand, if you're hearing this today, I don't understand the mentality of, I almost believe, but I want to wait and see if it happens. You know, plus God sends a strong delusion it says that I believe in First Thessalonians. It's going to be so hard. And if you, if you don't want to come to Jesus now during the church age, during the age of grace, what makes you think, if you know enough about this, that you can say, I want to wait and see if the rapture is really going to happen. What makes you think when your life is on the line, you're not just going to fall in line with the Antichrist? with the world system who's going to say to you everything will be okay if you just follow you know worship the beast get the mark you can buy you can sell you can live your life what makes you think you're not going to do that you know I don't want to see anyone left behind I really don't it breaks my heart to even think about it and all we can do if you're choosing that path all I can do is hope that when you see the rapture happen, you're going to be really mad at yourself, by the way. <laughs> you're going to be really mad at yourself because you're going to be like, I was one of the ones who knew about it before this happened. I think many that come to Christ don't even know what the rapture is. And I think they'll come to Christ because I think there will be a big revival after the rapture. But you guys who know about it now who are just thinking of it as a fallback plan or something, you're going to be really bad at yourself with good reason. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's see what's going on in the news, okay? Iran is coordinating attacks on Israel with Hamas and Hezbollah. Boy, does this sound like Psalm 83 to me. The head of the IRGC's Quds Force, Esmail Ghani recently met with terrorist leaders across the region, including some operating in Syria and Iraq. Iran is recruiting Hamas and Hezbollah, its terrorist proxies in the Middle East, to coordinate attacks against Israel, the Wall Street Journal reported on Friday, yesterday. According to the report, Ismail Ghani, who leads the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, 
elite Quds force has held a series of clandestine clandestine meetings with leaders of terrorist groups across the region in recent weeks, including some operating in Syria and Iraq. It amazes me that I've been telling you for months and months that the Psalm 83 war is those warring factions within Israel that kind of had separate places in the in within Israel always against Israel terrorist groups but that they would at some point start getting together and communicating and and plotting against Israel and that's what we're literally seeing happen today it's literally happening and Israel is in a really really dangerous place right now more dangerous than there since 1948 Because not only do they have those warring factions within Israel, the Iranian proxies getting together and plotting an attack against Israel, they also have their own people rising up because they don't like this right-wing religious government. Somebody told me, I didn't see it, but somebody told me that Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday, just yesterday, said basically that God would win the next war for them. He's on track there. But boy, it is an incredible time to be alive, and it's incredible to see what's going on in Israel right now as we speak. This is a weird one. Did you guys hear this? There's a video if you search for it online. Unbelievable. (laughs) The Muslim world is in shock. At the very end of Ramadan, following the rain in Mecca, Thousands of insects, mostly cockroaches, are all over the holy sites. There's videos of them, like, shaking their garments, and there's just roaches everywhere, all over the place. It's incredible. Incredible. Breaking news, the sound of an explosion was heard near the speech of the Japanese prime minister in the city of Wakayama. He was evacuated and not injured. Uh, they don't know if it was a assassination attempt, but there was an explosion while he was doing a speech, and they got him out of there safely. Next, we've got Putin. We've got Putin news. Putin orders a test nuke launch on the West in surprise show of strength on the anniversary of his flagship Moskva sinking. Vladimir Putin ordered his Pacific fleet to undertake surprise war games to test their readiness to stage a retaliatory nuclear strike on the West. The Pacific fleet's strategic firepower has been seen since Soviet times as Moscow's main weapon in retaliatory strikes. This move appears to be a deliberate show of strength against the West amid Putin's war against Ukraine, which has already cost hundreds of thousands of lives. The exercise is based around a naval base in Vladivostok. We're expected to involve the firing of missiles, the testing, the readiness of nuclear-capable strategic bombers, as well as the fleet submarines. Sorry for the Peter Brady squeak in there. But what we're seeing, these rumors of wars, 
They're incredible. Being down at this river for a year now, and I thought on my one-year anniversary, I put a lot of thought into this channel. I, you know, I did a video about it. You guys were so kind to me watching that video, but I did a whole video last week, April 4th, about what I've seen this past year and how the channel came about and how God had a plan for it. But as I planned that video out and was thinking about this year, I really thought, has anything changed in the last year? Or am I just saying the same things over and over? Because sometimes I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over. But man, a lot has changed in the last year. We are so close to the rapture of the church, which is a pre-tribulation rapture, by the way. We are so close to it. We are, I really believe, experiencing the birth pains. And when a woman has the birth pains, that baby comes. And we're seeing the birth pains, and we're going. Jesus is going to rapture us, harpazo us, snatch us up to the clouds to meet him. And then he's going to sail us off to heaven. And then those terrible seven years we talked about earlier are going to happen here on earth. Trust me, you don't want to be here for any of it. Macron, Emmanuel Macron, he wins again, despite millions of French protesting in the streets of Paris. The top French court passes the controversial retirement age increase bill. Carnage is erupting on the streets of France tonight. This is last night after French President Emmanuel Macron's flagship pension reform reform passed a vital constitutional milestone, despite months of disruptive strikes and protests. 71% of the people did not want that to happen. And it was raising the age of uh, people who get their pension from 62 to 64. 71% were against it, but they passed it. And I can only imagine what's going to go on. Last night was bad in France. It's going to continue. They're very, very upset. The whole world, there's so much protesting and rioting in this world. There's so many governments collapsing or on the verge of collapse. This is all just in setting up so people can cry out, who will, who will rescue us from this mess? So we see a financial mess setting up in this world. We see a one-world government that could set up earthquakes. Come on. Powerful 7.0 magnitude earthquake rocks Indonesia's main island. A strong earthquake shook parts of Indonesia's main island of Java and the tourist island of Bali on Friday, causing panic. We've seen such an uptick in earthquakes. I want to get that app. It goes off. It gives you notifications when earthquakes happen. I guess I could get it and shut the notifications off. But I got enough on my plate. I don't need to be made aware of every single earthquake because if you look at how many happen per day you'll be shocked oh we got a report from clown world okay all the united kingdom airports must be closed within the next 10 years beef and lamb will be banned 
and construction of new buildings will cease in the name of climate change, according to a government report. I think this co- I think this report was written in 2019, but it just leaked out yesterday. That's what I think happened. The report states that all airports must close between 2020 and 2029, excluding Heathrow, Glasgow, and Belfast airports, which can only stay open on the condition that transfers to and from the airport will, will be done via rail, so they don't want people to drive their cars to the airport. <laughs> I'm sorry I laugh at this, but it's only because... At the same time, they're clamping down on all of our freedoms in the name of climate change. They're also threatening shooting nuclear bombs all over the world, which I'm sure would be fantastic for the environment. (laughs) All remaining airports must then close between 2030 and 2049. So all the airports got to be gone. But those fat cats, they'll still be flying their Lear jets, and that you can take to the bank. All right. As to meet legal commitment of zero emissions by 2050, every citizen of the United Kingdom must stop using airplanes for a significant period of time. In addition, the report states that to obey the law of Climate Change Act, the public will be required to stop doing anything that causes emissions regardless of its energy source. According to the report, this will require the public to never eat beef or lamb again. But those fat cats will be having beef and lamb parties daily. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. <sighs> to do this, national consumption of beef and lamb will drop by 50% between 2020 and 2029. Then between 2030 and 2049, beef and lamb will be phased out. Except for the fat cats. <sighs> This report also confirms that construction of new buildings must cease by 2050. Clown world. There's no other... What what two words better describe it than clown world? Next, we've got terrifying. Solar maximum can arrive this year. Solar storms on Earth to get more violent. A new study claims that the peak of the ongoing solar cycle 25 can arrive much earlier than previously estimated, maybe right after the rapture. This also means that solar storms can get much more intense in the coming days. But what does it mean for us? Essentially, it means that the ramp up time for the solar activity shortens by quite a margin, which would mean 2023 could be the year when we start seeing terrifyingly intense solar storms, which are capable of damaging satellites disrupting mobile phone networks, GPS, and the internet services, causing power grid failures and even affecting ground-based electronics. Yeah, we're in the middle of a really bad solar storm, and I had heard before it was supposed to peak in like 2025 or 26. But now they're saying it may get more intense quicker than they thought. Don't let this trouble you. If you belong to Jesus, we're on the cusp of the rapture. We're not going to be here for a lot of this crazy stuff. Let's look at breaking news that happened right before I hit record. Civilian planes are on fire at Khartoum Airport in Sudan. Amid ongoing clashes between army and paramilitary forces after a coup attempt, Sudan's main paramilitary group said it had taken control of the presidential palace, the residence of the army chief, and Khartoum International Airport on Saturday. It's happening now. 
in an apparent coup attempt as clashes erupted with the military. Governments crashing. There's just uncertainty everywhere in everything in this world. And if you don't think that's God, allowing it to happen and saying, guys, you people who don't know me, wake up. My judgment, my wrath is coming to a Christ-rejecting world. Do you want to be here? Do you want to be a Christ-rejecter during my wrath to a Christ-rejecting world? Nobody is going to be able to say after the rapture. We didn't realize the world was falling apart if they paid the littlest bit of attention to what's going on. Let's get to some comments of the day. I'm running out of time. Tammy Bass. Tammy Bass is a really sweet sister in Christ. She sent my kids like little coloring books and and uh, little bracelets. Very kind person. Very nice. Tammy Bass. I always say life is tough enough without wit. I'm, let me start over. Okay. Ooh, that's cool. Sorry, I got to look at this. They got these cool little folding mini bikes. They're taken off in. <laughs> They almost look like uh, when you see a parade and the clowns are in the tiny little cars. They're like these tiny little mini bikes with these two people on them. If it was easy for me to flick the camera, I would, but it's not. Tammy Bath, <laughs> start again. I always say life is tough enough with Jesus. I don't know how people do life without Jesus. You're right about that, Tammy. I don't get it, and it is. Life is difficult with Jesus and without. But to me, it would be a lot harder without because with Jesus, you get Satan and his minions. You know, they're always trying to disturb your life. But you know what? We can have joy through the valleys because Jesus. No, I'll take life with Jesus any day than life without. What else? Let's see. Beth. Two days in a row, God had placed two neighbors of mine on my walk path and both expressed fear about the world. And I was given that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Praise God. It was well received both times. God is working through us. I lived in this neighborhood for 19 years and never have had this happen before. Praise God. He's given everyone opportunity. It's great. It's great. And who knows, the days leading up to the rapture, we may have a lot more opportunities as the world hopefully begins to see the trouble we're in. Dreams for Jesus said, I talk and think about, uh, talk and think of the rapture daily. I never get tired of thinking of it. Each day that goes by is more people saved. So hallelujah to that. He's coming soon. Yes, he is. Thank you. And yeah, I, I, I obviously like talking about the rapture daily. I think you know that. <laughs> Listen to this one. This is, wow. This is a glory to God moment. Bruce Hutcherson, Tom, today my teenage grandson watched your recording with me. At the end of it, he said, okay, Pop, I'm ready. He wanted me to lead him in accepting the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How beautiful is that? Thank you, Jesus. You know, I almost didn't come to the river yesterday. And I had said that the Lord wanted me I didn't feel, I really didn't feel good yesterday. My voice is worse today. 
but I feel a little better than I did yesterday. And I almost didn't come to the river. And I told you the Lord led me to the river. You said, like, get down there. So I came. And I thought something great would happen. And the Lord led this kid through his grandpa to him. I could, I could shut the camera off and cry right now. It's so beautiful. Who's it going to be next? Who's next? Who's next? Realize, folks, please realize the time we're in. Please. Sometimes we look around, we go, it's not that bad. It's got to get so much worse. I'll believe in Jesus when it gets so much worse. Tell that to the people in Ukraine right now and what they're going through. I've heard there's no Ukrainians who haven't lost somebody. Tell them it hasn't gotten bad enough yet for the rapture of the church. Tell the people in Israel who have a quarter of a million rockets aimed directly at this tiny little country the size of New Jersey. Tell them, oh, it hasn't gotten bad enough yet. That is such a United States point of view. And by the way, <laughs> our country's in deep doo-doo. It just hasn't, the final collapse hasn't happened yet. But in every way, we're in serious trouble. All countries are turning away from our currency day by day. Every day you see another country, we're no longer going to use the United States money. Many people will say the world's not bad enough yet. While every sign we were told to look for for the end times is in play, every single one, and they're all ramping up, and we're seeing birth pains. Do you want to be the one left behind to have to get beheaded for your faith if if you turn to Jesus if you won't turn to him now I just can't imagine you'll do it I hope you do but man don't be left behind You're like Tom well what can I do to not be left behind it's very easy it wasn't easy for Jesus it's very easy for us you realize your need for forgiveness. We're all sinners. And what sin does to us is it separates us from God. He can't look at sinners. He's perfect. He's pure. He can't look at sin. But he didn't leave us in this condition. Like you're sinners, forget it. He said for sin comes death. But he did something that's so beautiful. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who was next to him for eternity, backwards. And he sent Jesus to the earth, and Jesus did it willingly. He came here to rescue us from our sin. He came to earth. He was fully God. He was fully man. And he walked the earth, and he was perfect. His performance was perfect. He was the perfect lamb, ready to be slain for our sins. 
He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And they nailed him to a cross. And he bled that substance, that blood, that takes your sins and it removes them from you when you believe in the power of that blood. It removes them as far as the east is from the west. Try to figure out how far that is. And it washes you white as snow. That blood washes your sins, your yuckiness, white as snow. And once you say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. I believe that you came to be the sacrifice, the lamb, the lamb of God. I believe that you died for my sins. When you believe that, you're saved. You're going to heaven. It's that easy. But it wasn't that easy for Jesus. Can you imagine, can you imagine being brutalized, being marred beyond recognition, where if you know what Jesus looked like the day before, you wouldn't even know what, you wouldn't be able to recognize him. That's how much he was brutalized for you and for me. And then after that, he got nailed to the cross. He could have stopped it at any moment and said, Father, they're not worth it. He didn't do that. He did it willingly. He went through that for us. And when you believe in what Jesus did, when you believed in his finished work and everything he did for you, and you're like, yes, forgive me. I believe in your blood, the power of your blood. I believe you lived and died and rose again for me, Jesus. All of a sudden, God the Father can look at you now because he no longer sees the sinner you are it's almost like he, he it's almost like he puts on the spectacles of Jesus he sees you he sees Jesus when he looks at you and he's like that's my child covered by the blood of my son which is a perfect sacrifice forever Jesus will never go to that cross again Jesus will never be a humble servant like he was on earth. Now, when he comes back, he comes back in power. Now he comes back in power. He is love, but he is also power. The world doesn't realize what they're about to face in that seven-year tribulation if they keep rejecting Jesus. Are you going to reject Jesus? Are you going to keep rejecting him? You really want to do that, huh? Don't do that. Jesus came here to die for us, to repair us, to, to take care of the sin problem, and he did it. We just have to believe in him and what he did. Believe in the power of that blood. You need it. Today is a day of salvation. Today. Don't put it off. If any of this sounds like something you need to do, do what that guy's grandson did. Say, it's time, Pop. It's time. I think Jesus wants to do a final harvest before the rapture. And I come down to this river every day to talk about this because it's the most important thing I talk about. Don't put it off. Come to Jesus. That's what I got for you today. Uh, if we're not raptured today, which 
I think it's a perfectly good day for the rapture. God willing, I will be here tomorrow for the prayer video. And uh, I'm going to shut the camera off now, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for every person who watched this video. Okay, I love you. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve, you deserve the glory and the
You're a faithful God. Awesome is your name. You do mighty things. <laughs> you do glory. You're a faithful God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. 